Well, good evening. Good evening. Welcome to Deep Creek Baptist Church. Uh, our Wednesday night Bible study. Uh, we're going to get close to maybe uh, finishing. I don't know if we'll get it tonight or not, but we'll get close. Uh, be in prayer to let us know where we're going next. Uh, I got something I'm kicking around to do maybe, and, uh, uh, and we'll go from there. Um, the other thing is, is uh, Praises and prayer requests. Uh, keep uh, Harold Hudson uh, in your prayer. Tomorrow he goes to Florence uh, for uh, uh, Old Heart Church. Uh, uh, keep him in your prayer. Uh, Are going to Florence? He lives in Vince. Okay. <laughs> that's where he's going. Sitting in the chair watching TV, eating free food. 
when Nicole went by the first time on the way to school, she said the ambulance was already there. And so I guess they already got him out. The fire truck, the time I came by, the fire truck was already there. And there was a couple of deputies and a, and a record. So I guess they got okay. The only one other one is Kmart uh, from the Buffalo Bill. Mm -hmm. right. He's doing better, yeah. but he's on a slow recovery. Yeah. Um, and uh, pray for our elected officials. Mm -hmm. uh, they're digging trenches, but anyway. Uh, yeah.
with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And I'm going to go ahead and read 19. And for me, that uh, that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in uh, in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. And I'm going to stop right there. Alright. And so we're coming to the end of it. And so it says, uh, the prayer for our weapon. Uh, you know, we're to pray at all times. First Thessalonians 5, 17 tells us we're to be in prayer at all times. Pray without ceasing. You know, fervent prayer avails much. Uh, we are to pray for all people. First Timothy, chapter 2, verse 1. We're also to pray in all places. No matter where we go, we're to pray. No matter what building we're in, no matter what venue we're at, no matter whether we're in our truck, driving down the road, walking down the sidewalk, in our front yard, our backyard, no matter where we are, we are to pray. And we're to pray in all places. First Timothy 2, 8. And so we're to pray with prayer and supplication. Prayer speaks of general prayer addressed to God. Prayer speaks of general prayer addressed to God. Colossians 4, uh, so, verses 2 and 12. But we're to be in prayer. And we're supposed to, you know, we're directly God. Lord, I have some issues I need to take. I, I got some issues I need to bring before me. Lord, I got some people I want you to, want you, I want to tell you about. Of course you already know, but I need to tell you this. This is my take. Lord, what can I do? Also, Lord, what was that? I'm not sure. Oh, okay. Uh, I thought it sounded like Irish. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, Lord, I just, uh, you know, I need to understand. I'm going to sit back. I'm going to wait. Give me some understanding. Give me some wisdom. You know, we're supposed to take it to God. Straight to Him. See, that's the difference between thugs that are Christians and those who still uphold some Old Testament stuff where you, once a year, you have a man go and pray for you. Once a year. Or some other denominations where you go and confess your sins to a man and he takes your petition to God. See, when we accepted Christ and the veil was rent, we had access to the Holy of Holies. The Sanctum Sanctorium where the ark set, where God sat between the two. But he could call them, do what he needs to do. We have one straight to Jesus Christ. Through Jesus Christ straight to the throne of God. That is unreal here. Just I want to insert one thing. Look at this prayer. Remember, all those armaments are gifts of God. This is God. You are literally petitioning the mediator himself to come back and you're bringing now God himself into the ballgame. This is prayer. I want you to understand supplication. It's a petition. Supplication is a petition. We, we, we refer to a specific request from God to God. 
Jesus tells us what? We have not because we ask not. And so we have been told that we can boldly go before the throne of God and ask. And what we bind on <coughs> earth will be bound in heaven. And what we loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. We have to be right. We have to be right with God. We have the same spirit. And we can see a lot that's going on. Uh, Philippians 4, 6 talks about this. We're to pray in the Spirit. We're to pray to the Father through the Spirit. Romans 8, 15. We pray in the Spirit for the will of God. Romans 8, 26 and 27. When we pray, we're to be praying for the will of God to be done. You know, it's one thing, and I'm not saying you want it, it's one thing to say, Lord, let me win this mega meeting. But it's a completely different thing with the Lord. I got a friend. And they're struggling. Not only they're struggling spiritually, but they're struggling physically. Lord, I'm asking you, asking you to intercede on, on, on for them, Lord, so that you can receive the glory, Lord, that you can advance your kingdom through them. When they see and understand it's you that provide it, it's you that provide for them the whole time. It's a difference. We're supposed to be loving our neighbors as ourselves. We're supposed to be asking things for the way we would ask for ourselves. Lord, I pray that both games win the box. Rather than, I pray that Jerry win the box. But Lord, I pray that James' health will be fantastic and restored. I pray that Brother Jason will be able to be able to move forward and things work out in his life so that he will not have stress, he will have peace, be able to sleep, whatever. I, I pray for, for Miss, Miss Karen. That she'll be able to rest and that she'll be able to. She's like me. She's like me. I gotta see it. I'm, I'm used to drive through more than now. And if it takes more than right now, I, I'm antsy about it. I, I don't have, I don't like to wait. And that's, and Tanner's that way a little bit. Tanner, you gonna stand in line to eat? If you go down to the meet with your family and there's a restaurant you wanna eat at and there's about 100 people standing outside to wait, are you gonna drive by or are you gonna eat? Amen, bro. He knows. He knows. <laughs> I ain't, no, I've done that. I've done that. Water in my mess kit. No, I ain't doing that. Uh, anyway, uh, there's just certain things we're not going to do. We're not going to do because we've been conditioned. God's telling us, all right, wait on me. Wait for the answer I give you. Wait. And the answer I give you may not even be what you were thinking about. It may be beyond your capability. Most of the time it is. When we were young, I was like, you know, when I was a young Christian, and I mean single, I'd get infatuated with a girl we were dating and all this. Lord, I was married first. It didn't work out. Man, I thank God for him telling me it didn't work out. Because he knew better than me, because I got the lady that I'm supposed to. I went through several years. <laughs> a lot of heartache. But, you know, he knows better. He answered my prayer. I used to get back. Why? Why did you not answer my prayer? Because it wasn't the time for me to have what you wanted me to have. I wasn't prepared for it. I wasn't ready for it. And so, you know, those are the things that we have to, we have to wait. We have to wait. 
and know that I am the Lord. You know, and that, that knowing that He's the Lord and to be still the great part, the hard part. Knowing that He's the Lord is easy. Waiting for Him to respond is the hard part. Because we, go ahead, bro. You know, and, and you're talking, you know, about prayer and defensive and stuff, and we often think Paul is is talking about a lot of defense here. But listen to this in Second Corinthians 10, because he was in the offensive many times, and, and this one's one. Just listen to this: For though we walk in the flesh, we are not warring, uh, waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy, destroy strongholds. It's offensive. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. Those things that counter God's, what we know to be true about God. And we take every thought captive to obey Christ. We've got the playbook. We know what the truth is. And it's a fight on our part to know that. But this is offense. Along with this prayer, this falls right into the discussion of this offensive part. We have prayer. We can take action with it. And here Paul is living it out in 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. Um, this is Paul on the offensive. But as you read Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 10, you find that he is preaching the gospel and boasting about preaching the gospel itself. 16 through 17 of the same area. We, we pray, we pray in the Spirit for the will of God. And what this, what this verse does in 18 when we get to the supplication part of the prayer of it's introducing us to the frequency that we, as believers, not only should, should pray, but also our character. And see, when we come before God and we make our petitions, we need to be submitted to God. We need to be in a submissive place, not in the bold place of, you're going to do this. You know, we need to come humbly. We need to come boldly. But we also need to come fearfully. And that fearful part is part of submission to God. You know, we take for granted that He is our Creator. We take for granted that He died on a cross for all the sins that I have committed and will commit. The thoughts, all that, all the attitudes and all, all of that underlying garbage that I carry because I'm a human being. He died to forgive me. And for me to receive that, I have to accept that I was a sinner. And most folks can't admit that they're a sinner and can't admit that they need a Savior. They can't. Especially in the Western world. Because what do they say? You know, you, how many people do you know somebody who will tell you that I'm a self-made man? They're not. But they will tell you they are a self-made man. They don't need nothing. They've got it all figured out. We have Christians sitting in a church that you can't reach because they've got it all figured out. The gospel doesn't mean anything to them because they got it all figured out. All I've got to do is this and all I've got to do is this. And so therefore they have head knowledge. Head knowledge. But they never touch the heart. 
that's that Western thinking of mm -hmm. rugged individualists that we're all taught as little right. kids as we grow up. That, if I Uh, 
And so uh, that's Mark 13, uh, 33, 37. We're to continue in prayer and we're what? We're what? We're praying and supplication, making our petition. We're, we are doing this in the Spirit so that we can watch. Watch what's happening around us. Watch who needs prayer. Watch who needs help. Watch who needs. Watch what you need. Watch what you need. The Spirit's going to guide you. When you submit to the Spirit, you'll be surprised about the things that you change, that will change in your life. Instead of being inward focused, we become outward focused. Instead of praying, Lord, show me what I need to do. Lord, let me see things through your eyes. Give me the wisdom to see who you're putting in front of me. And the people that he's putting in front of you, you have something they need. It might be the gospel. It just might need to be a co-work from. It might need to need a Yeah. I mean, you know, you're doing a great job. Mm-hmm. How many times has it been that somebody gave you a hug? Mm-hmm. A simple hug would go long way. So hug somebody you don't know. Yeah. yeah. They love it. Yeah. General. They smile and they hug you. You hug the wrong person.
wherever any of y'all go, that you're, you're ministering while you're there. That you're attentive to what's around you. That God is working through you for some other. And you're to pray for me the same way. Um, it says that, you know, we're to pray for forgiveness, we're to pray for victory over temptation. And then we're to pray for the salvation of others. Pray for the salvation of others, even for Putin, even for Putin, even for even for the the, the, the ones that are doing bad around. Uh, we're to pray for the salvation of that man that killed his four people in Idaho. Wow. Well, we're to pray for him and his family. We're to pray for the families of those who, you know, we're to pray for them all. Now I'm gonna be honest with you. There are people in this world that I do not care for. But at night when I make my petition. I ask the Lord, Lord, I pray for you. You know what they need, but I ask you to give it to them. And sometimes that's hard. But sometimes that's very hard. Uh, but the more we pray, the more we do it, the easier it gets. Uh, we're to pray for the ministry of one another, 2 Corinthians. I'm going to back up. Uh, we're to pray for the salvation of the Romans 10 1. We're to pray for the ministry of one another, 2 Corinthians 1, 11. We're to pray for Christians in other areas. The Christians that are being persecuted in the Middle East, the Christians that are being persecuted in China, the Christians that are being persecuted in Venezuela, wherever, North Korea, whatever. We're to pray for them. Iraq, all of them. Iraq, Iran, wherever. We're to pray for other Christians. We're to pray for other Christians in in, in, in Aberdeen. We're to pray for other Christians in Wolf County, the state of North Carolina, the United States, through the world. We're to pray for other Christians. Uh, 2 Corinthians 9, 14. We're to pray for victory for one another. We're to pray that each one of us has victory over temptation. We're to pray that we have victory to where we can help the lost. We're to pray that we have victory in our battle against, against Satan and the principalities and powers of the air. We're to pray for victory. James 5, 16. And then he closes up and he says, we are to pray for all saints. All saints focus on the object. When we pray for the saints, we're focused on the object of all the saints. Those that are planting churches. Those that are feeding the homeless. Those that are working in the hospice houses. Those that are working in prisons. Those who are working with little orphan kids. Those that are working with, with soldiers. Those that are working wherever. But Christians are working. We are to be praying for all the saints. Now, First thing you have to do before you pray for the saints, you have to realize you are one. You have to accept the fact that you are a saint. Jesus Christ referred to you as a saint. You are a saint. Not in saint in the term of Catholicism. But saint in the term of following Jesus Christ. And that's because you're holding ground on the name of God. All this defensive weaponry is, is holding the ground. And as we fall into the offensive area, we're taking ground. We are taking ground for the kingdom of God. We're advancing to the kingdom of God. And that's what Paul 
is looking to do in front of them, but they had an explosive taking of ground during this time. Paul is writing this letter and handing it off to someone who has to carry it to soon move it out. But that is the kingdom of God advancing exponentially at this long time. We should be doing that now. We have every reason to see that the world needs this gospel message. They need it more now than they ever have. These are becoming days of like the days of Noah. And so when you do a little bitty thing of kindness, and then a hug is in it, for me anyway, whoever finds that easy to do, do it! Because you are advancing the kingdom, you're breaking down those barriers, and you are advancing love. And Paul was talking last about the walk of love. You can't really hate a person that bad when you hug them. But the point is, now, he's, he's feeling helpless almost. He says, help me that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. He knows he should. That's what he's into. It's almost as if he's begging for some help here. And so, God's going to give it to him. We're to, you know, says we're to pray for all saints. We're to pray for the spiritual growth of all saints. Do we do that? Do we pray for the spiritual growth of our brothers and sisters in Christ? Ephesians 3, 14 to 21 talks about that. We said that a while back. We're to pray for fruitfulness for all Christians. In Colossians 1, verses 9 through 13. The fruitfulness. Not only the spiritual fruitfulness, but that they may prosper. You know, you want them to be able to concentrate on the Lord Jesus Christ. And that means making sure that their home is secure. That means making sure that their health is taken care of. You want to be fruitful. You know, pray for the fruitfulness of all the saints. That may, that may be just no more than them having meals to eat during the day or water to drink that's clean. It, it just pray for their fruitfulness. When you take away some of the worries of moms and dads, they can focus on their spirituality rather than having to focus on the welfare of their family. Struggling to make sure that they got food, struggling to make sure that they're clean, struggling to make sure that they're not having diseases that infect them. That, does, that takes a big burden on them. And so we're supposed to do that. We're supposed to pray for the fruitfulness of all Christians. And so now uh, we're going to go to verse 19 and 20. We're about to get close to finishing this thing. It says, spiritual armor calls Paul to speak boldly for Christ. Uh, and so in verse 19, I read it, it says, And for me, that uh, the utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador, in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. And then, uh, and so that's 19 and 20. Alright, so... Paul asked the Ephesians to pray for him. That's what those two verses mean. And he's asking them to pray. Ask them to pray for others. Paul realized that, that we lack personal strength. And so we ask for others. You ever try to witness into somebody and all of a sudden you get tongue tied or your mind goes blanking? You know, or somebody doing, telling somebody something that ain't right. And 
rather than us interjecting to it to correct it, we, we let it go. That's boldness and utter. Uh, and so Paul realized that we lack personal strength. In 2 Corinthians 1, uh, 8 through 11, uh, Paul realized that God is the one who opens the door. We can't witness, we can't present Christ to anyone that God hadn't opened the door to. That's why we're called to present it to everyone because we don't know who God has opened the door to and who He has. We have to present it to 100% of the people. Alright? And so, uh, Colossians 4.3. And Paul wanted people to pray that the Word would spread quickly. 2 Thessalonians 3.1. What do we ask before today? The Word spreads what? Quickly. Nothing changed. Nothing changed since the imprisonment of Paul to today. In fact, it's easier for the Word to spread rapidly today than it was then. Great time. I'll give you a great time. This afternoon, I received an email from one uh, from Sermon uh, uh, Audio. They had received an email to uh, uh, from this lady, and she had questions. And so I answered her questions. And, and so she questions like, "Are you a Southern Baptist church?" And I explained to her, no, we're not. We are, our bylaws and, and, our, and our constitution are Southern Baptist, but we are unaffiliated, we're not affiliated with the Southern Baptist today. Uh, she wanted to know, when we, gave commun- when we give communion, what do we use? I told her, I said, we use grape juice, and we use uh, 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 unleavened, unsalted wafer. And I explained to her that. She wanted to know if our if our communion was open to everyone. I thought our communion was open to believers. However, if an unbeliever takes it, that's the point given to God, and they're calling damnation upon their foot. And I quoted Christmas. And so, uh, and then she wanted to know about baptism. I said, well, just to let you know, uh, we at Southern Baptist, and we as Baptists believe that there is no salvation in baptism or in taking of communion. Their representation. Salvation comes through Jesus Christ, who He is, what He's done, and come along. Period. And uh, she wanted to know, did they refer to me as reverend, or pastor, or preacher, or what? So after I said, I've been, I said, they refer to me as pastor or preacher. They refer to me by my first name. I said, Really, the reverend is only used in formal documents and formal introductions. I said, if this answers all your questions, uh, if it does, feel free to, to email me again or contact me. I'll give it my phone number and I said, I'll be more than happy to explain where we stand. And so, we're doing it. We're doing it. You know, we are, we're, we're, we're trying to spread the word quickly. Trying to spread the word quickly. We asked him to pray, uh, he asked him to pray that he would open his mouth bold. When we spend time with Christ, we can speak bold. In Acts 4.13, uh, we're filled with the Spirit and we can speak bold. Acts 4.31. Uh, Paul had come 
to Corinth in fear and much trembling in 1 Corinthians 2.3. The Lord spoke to Paul in a vision to encourage him in Acts uh, 18.9 where we are filled with the hope when we are filled with the hope we can speak boldly. 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 3 verses 4 through 12. When we're filled with hope we can speak boldly. Think about this. When somebody talks to you about why you believe in Christianity, why are you a follower of Jesus Christ? I can boldly tell them why. Because I know where I would be without Him. And now I don't know how I live without Him. And I don't want to live without Him. Because He's done so much for me. Well, what has He done for you? He changed me. I'm not the same person I was. I don't have the same thoughts I had. I don't have the same desires I had. It used to be me, me, me. And now me is way down the total hole. And the priorities. Yeah. It's probably okay. You know, I have had more fun in my life and joy as a Christian than I ever had not being. Because what fun and joy I had prior to being a Christian was shortly nothing fulfilled my desire. Jesus had And Jesus will. And he always will. And so most folks don't, you know, they're not used to hearing stuff like that. You know, they've heard all the 24-7 of why it's superstition and why it's archaic and why why it's so exclusive. Well, here's the one. There's a lot of exclusive things in this world. Very. I mean, think about it. You can't go to prison unless you commit a crime. And it's very exclusive. Well, they ain't no non criminals or people that ain't committing crimes in there. And around here, you can't go to the bathroom in a public place. Unless you're either male or female, I don't care what the law says. And the truth is exclusive. It is exclusive. Right or wrong. There's no equivocation on it. It's either true or it's not. Two plus two is not five, it's four. And so the truth is very exclusive. And that's what Jesus is talking about. It is, uh, you know, if we're going to speak at hope, he asked him to pray that he would be able to share it up. Paul was chosen to reveal the mystery of the gospel. He tells us that in Acts, he tells us that in Ephesians 3, uh, 3 through 7. We all know that Paul's mission was to take the gospel to the Gentiles. Isn't it ironic that one of the most zealous Pharisees in Israel was chosen to take the gospel to the Gentiles. I mean, he was a Jew of the Jews. I mean, he was. Yeah. You know, he he was he was a Pharisee to the tenth degree. It was the law and nothing else but the law. God didn't factor into the law. He didn't even realize who God was until he got knocked off that horse. Or donkey or whatever it was. And then he come relying upon somebody else and God told him where to go. And what did he do? Lord, 
You need to repent. Uh, that's 2 Corinthians 5.20. Paul was a prisoner of Christ when he wrote Ephesians. Ephesians 3.1. The chains of Paul encouraged others to speak boldly also. When you see somebody who is being persecuted, who's being bound up, and yet they still have the boldness to speak, that's encouraging. That's encouraging. You know, and, and so that was Philippians 1.14. Uh, Paul had gotten permissive uh, while in chains. In Philippi, or Philippians, I think it is, uh, 1, 10, and 4. We are to speak boldly. We're to speak boldly. We're to, we're to intervene because God's Word is good for what? Reproof? And correction. Alright, so we're to, be, we're to do that. We're to speak boldly and without fear. We are to speak with the love that casts out fear. This is because speaking boldly is the way we ought to speak. Now, you can speak boldly and not be arrogant. There's not a fine line there. You either get arrogant or you're not. You can speak boldly to somebody. And you don't have to be arrogant. You can do it in love. And you say, me too. Yeah. I, I was there. Yeah. I, I was lost. I, me too. I'm in the same boat with you. I'm just a step ahead in believing. That's 100%. But, you know, I, it's not the arrogance that you're above anybody else. For it will not be you speaking, as Jesus said, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. So, it's not you, and, and you can tell them that. It's not, not me. I've been taught this by God. That these gifts of the Holy Spirit are alive. Teaching is one that Jerry just mentioned. Teaching, preaching, loving, compassion, encouragement. All the gifts of the Holy Spirit are very much alive. Maybe not, you know, some things. This twenty-one gifts of the Holy Spirit that you 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 sourced out of Matthew. Right. That's where his teaching part was coming from. Matthew is in and there's there's encouragement. There's there's someone baking cookies in the back in the kitchen. And giving it out to people, you know. There's a lady, and it is funny. Oh, and I look. Very funny. <laughs> I look in the kitchen. Lee Strobel, Lee Strobel's wife, uh, was given cookies by the Christian women oh, in Chicago. My nose is kind of stopped. No, man, there's no. I look. Lee, Lee Strobel. It'd be okay. We'll get some cookies somehow on the way home. But, but, and the whole process. Lee Strobel was a Lee Strobel did not believe in Christ. He was going to prove her wrong. Went out on a mission to prove his wife wrong and said that his wife now had become a Christian. Why? Because the neighbor ladies gave her cookies and invited her to come and be with them. Made cookies. Lee Strobel wrote Case for Christ. Finally, broke down his barriers and came to be a believer because why? He went and interviewed all the hard hit. One with Gary Habermas, a theologian. He, he, he interviewed a doctor. How did Christ really die? Did he swoon on the cross? No. He said it was a complete 
cardiac arrest, when he put the sword through his heart, water came out along with the blood. He was completely, you know, had died. And, and that was the proof of it. Then he went away with that one and he says, well, how do you know that it's really true that all this happened? And the historical part, they brought the historical part to where he had to believe that these things were true based on the record. These were eyewitnesses. And so the historian brought him through the scriptures. Brought through the Vedas. And it was overwhelming for his struggle. So he believed it. He started believing it. He was a baby believer. One of the top Chicago Tribune investigative reporters. Atheist. Whoa. Was. And you are to obey God rather than me. What was his name again? Lee Strobel. Because I didn't even know. I'm from there. We need some corners now. <laughs> <laughs> to speak the word with confidence. To speak the word of God without shame. Have you ever been ashamed to tell somebody they're wrong about what they're preaching or teaching? You should never be ashamed of the word of God. We are to be what? Is that, uh, th that's to lay people, right? Not too that's for everybody. We're to speak the word of God without pain. We're to make the gospel clear to others. We're to make the gospel clear to others. To somebody who's an officer, a pastor, or a evangelist. Now look, I've had people question me, and I've had, I've had some. It was a couple times I was wrong. And I'm okay, I apologize. I made a public confession, and I stayed something wrong. I've happened twice in my life, and I felt so guilty. Well, it happens all the time for me. I'm wrong on a lot of things. If you don't believe me, you're past my life. We're to speak the word even when facing opposition. Yeah. I mean, I'm being for real. I, I make mistakes all the time. There's no fear of somebody coming to nail me to a tree because I definitely am not hurt. Uh, we're to be willing to lay down our lives as we speak. When we profess the gospel, are you prepared to die for it? See, these men, these 12 apostles, they died, and others through the centuries have died for the word of God. It's I mean, St. John. Yeah, yeah, St. John. Well, he eventually died, but his was not, he wasn't martyred. I mean, we're talking about, there were, were people burned on the cross. There were people burned a lot. By the way, during this time, Paul's writing this letter, Nero is thought to be the one that was lighting people up in the garden, Christians, as lights, burning them yeah. on fire. Yeah. That old fire, they died a horrible death on a cross. Wait, that's the one that was nailed to the cross? They burned. They burned. And that, this is during this time. That, that, you would enter into a Roman city, Jerusalem or whatever, and on your way into that city, the criminals were hung on the cross and left out there to hang. They, they were rotten on the cross, and the butters and the bugs and everything was eating them alive. They, they weren't alive; they, they were dead. But they were hung out there. And as soon as they were rotten off the cross, they took that cross down and put somebody else up there. It's a stick and a warning: mm -hmm. don't mess with Rome. Don't mess with the status quo. Don't be a Christian. Yes, we are to be bold 
as we contend for the faith. We're to be bold. And then, of course, we have our last two verses, and we're five minutes over. Uh, 21, well, 21 to 24. Uh, it says, but that you may that you may know my affairs and how I am doing. Uh, I don't know what his name is. Trichicus. Trichicus. Beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord will make all things known to you whom I have sent to you for this very purpose that you may know our affair and that he may comfort your heart. Peace to the brethren and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. Amen. It's not just that love our Lord Jesus Christ, but love our Lord Jesus Christ sincerely. And so, you know, he was uh, was going to tell the people in Ephesus what Paul was doing. Paul realized how God was working. Uh, He was a a beloved brother. Paul had a real love for for him. Uh, Paul later sent... uh, him to Ephesus. Paul had added to his ministry team, added him to his ministry team. He was an important part of Paul. He was in Paul's inner circle. Evidently, he wasn't arrested because he was able to come and go. He was able to bring Paul food, care for him, uh, and he was sent him to encourage the Ephesians. He was sent with a perk. Paul sent him to encourage the brethren. The people are encouraged when their hearts or knit together in love. Think about this. Think about this. Suppose, suppose one of us was somewhere, and all we can get was messages about. And, you know, and finally, somebody who was with him comes back to look. That's what's going on. They're busy. Da, 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 da. Doesn't that encourage you? Yeah. You know, it's one thing to hear. You know, you know somebody that's far away. I can remember. I can remember when my dad was a vehicle. He used to send home real, 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 real tape, but. He also used to send home movies, little movie reels. He had mailed home a movie projector. And so you'd see him, you know, he'd wave, and you'd see the flames burning and all this stuff. You know, you'd see, I said, look at the fireworks. It was not fireworks, it was treasures. You know, there was bullets and bombs and, you know, from Danae. And, and so that's how I got to see my dad, you know. And they didn't have that. All they had was the written word and somebody coming and telling them what they think. And so, uh, and they encouraged it. Trickett, us, right, was there to take the letter mm-hmm. to the Ephesians to explain it to them and to reinforce it, to, to supplement Paul's and pull out the ambiguities. When they began to tear it apart or question it, he, he could answer their question. He had, you know, Paul wanted to keep the Christians informed, but Christus had a ministry of encouragement. He was like Bart. His job was to encourage. That was his calling. And that's 2 Timothy 4 12. Paul wanted the brethren to experience peace and love. Peace is something God wants us to experience. Peace can be our experience. Peace has its source in the Father and Christ. Peace is our experience as we are obedient to God. We, what happens when we're not obedient? Well, we have turmoil. But when we're obedient, 
no matter what's going on around us, is tranquil. Even though we may be in the midst of oh, what's going on around us, we can be we can be have comfort in the fact that God is with us. You know, that we can be have some happiness, some peace. You know, the word study, it, there's a lot of comfort in knowing that the only thing that can happen to you is you die. One time. And if you die, you win. I mean, that's a, that's a bad way of looking at it, but, you know, if I die, I win. After from the body of the Lord. Instantly. That's the worst thing that can happen to me. That is the worst thing that can happen Now, what makes it murky for me is leaving behind my wife, my children, my grandchildren. Those are the things that my brothers and sisters in Christ. That's what makes it hard. But I also know that I'm going to see them again. I'll be in the bleachers when they get there. I have a something I'll tell you all nice looking on that. Anyway. Uh, one of the things Paul is having to do is convey this letter of high theological and spiritual instruction. Right? But he's also sending Trinkicus to carry the physical, the physical information of how he's doing, how he's how he's physically doing in his personal life and his personal thoughts. Paul's purpose for this, like Jerry mentioned, is encouragement. Yeah. Listen to Ephesians 3.13. We go back to the middle of this letter. It says, So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. Grace is present with all who love Jesus Christ. Timothy was to be strong in grace that is in Jesus Christ. We are to let our feet always be seasoned with grace. We are to be good stewards of the manifold grace of God. And I'll give you an example and we'll close it tonight. Uh, when I got my charge, uh, one of the People that gave me my cards out told me I was like Peter. Quick. Quick. Not necessarily thinking things through. And then I had a crisis. And I called my my ally. And I told him what the crisis was. He said, this is what I'm giving you some advice. He said, write out, right now, what you want to say. Write it out. He said, Put it in your mind. Go home. Don't open your Bible, that Bible, tomorrow. Open another one. Do your study. He said, on the third day, open it back up, read that letter, and check it with grace. I could not believe what I wrote on the paper. I can't read it. I can't read it. It was destroyed. Great advice. And that's what, that's what we're telling here. Temper our lives with grace. We won't hurt as many people. We might be misunderstood, but we won't hurt as many people. Any questions, any comments? I'm going to give one more uh, scripture to the Ephesians of Revelation. This is later to the Ephesians 95 AD. But I have this against you, this is Jesus Christ's son, that you have abandoned the love 
you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Yet this I have, you hate the works of the Nickelodeons, which I also hate. Remember, this was in the pagan thrust of everything. And Jesus is saying this later. In John, on John's watch, John is writing Revelation here as the words of Christ. It got past the pagan. But don't lose the love. Don't lose your first love. Any questions, any comments? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, I love you and I thank you for this day. And Lord, I ask you to continue to allow us to reap the nuggets that you would keep us. Lord, I ask you to bless us as we travel home, be with those that were mentioned on the prayer list. Lord, I love you. Bring us back Sunday uh, so that we can hear about the ministry in Mexico. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.